Blog Talk Radio.
I'll probably have another week or so of work on setting up this next, the coming 12 months guest. So once that's done, I can I can send you guys out at least a partially finished list of the of the show guests that we have coming up uh, this coming year. <clears throat> All right. Uh, we will start the show off the same way we usually do, and that is by giving you guys a chance to call in and tell your local crew members thank you for the work that they are doing. What I'm talking about is the, the Apple Tea Project volunteers who are working in your local area who are donating uh, their time, their energy, their money in a lot of cases in order to push the Apple Sea Project message forward. And this is no small thing. We ask uh, quite a bit of our volunteers. We ask them to to really put their shoulder to the wheel and push hard, and they do. And that's one of the, one of the things that I always find uh, so amazing about uh, our Apple Sea brothers and sisters is how willing they are to donate their time, effort, their money uh, in order to make the country a better country, in order to make their home a better home, uh, their community a better community, their state a better state, and, of course, in doing so, to help make their nation a better nation. And, And I can't tell you how proud I am of the folks uh, in Appleseed. They're just a, a a fantastic group of folks. Every time I meet one uh, face-to-face and shake their hand and talk to them, it's like I've, I've found another member uh, of the family, uh, another member of the family that, you know, that I didn't know that I had or that I or that I finally got to, to meet in person. And... Uh, and almost all of my friends now, uh, except for a couple of knuckleheads that I can't break free of, almost all of my friends are apple seed folks. And, you know, that's that's from two reasons. One, because uh, any of my good friends that I had before apple seed, I drug into the program. And two, uh, apple seed folks are the best folks in the nation. You couldn't find better folks. You couldn't find a, a better list of people that uh, could become potential good friends. Uh, every one of our met has been a fantastic individual, and uh, and I'm really proud of that fact. The Appleseed Project is dedicated to teaching the absolute best fundamentals a rifle marksmanship program in the nation, the absolute best. Nobody does it as good as we do, if, if, if in fact anybody anywhere is doing it. But nobody does it as good as Appleseed does. We worked really hard over the last six years tweaking uh, the program, honing our craft, and and it's, it has gelled out really well. Uh, you know, across the nation, the the folks in each of the states have worked really hard at bringing together their crews and building a program in each of the states in order to 
teach the Appleseed Project Rifle Marksmanship course. And in doing so, they give the folks two solid days of the best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship course the nation has to offer. At the same time, uh, they're going to uh, bestow on them a rock-solid safety uh, foundation, a rock-solid rifle safety foundation in their in their rifle handling skills. And on top of that, they're going to throw in a couple of hours of American heritage and American history. In case you were ever wondering where the nation started, how it got started, if you just happen to uh, uh, just to vaguely kind of wonder, hey, I wonder how this country got started. Well, we're going to tell you about it. They're going to tell you exactly how and when the nation got started, the date that it started on April 19, 1775, where it happened, who was there, why they were there, what they did, and why they did it. And they'll probably also talk to you about the founders' ideas for the nation. And once they've told you that, then you can you can use your own brain to look uh, at the two ideas, the ideas that the founders had for the nation and the direction that we're currently going in and, and see if see if they're the same direction. See if the founders' ideas for the nation uh, are being held or or if we're deviating from them and how and why. And what your responsibility is as an American. I'm sure you guys have heard me say many times that you can become a citizen by getting your name scrawled on a on a blank line on a piece of paper. That doesn't make you an American. You're only truly an American when you understand that you have a sacred obligation to safeguard the rights the freedoms, the liberties that living in this nation affords you. Then you will be an American. We're going to talk to you about how you can do that. And each and every one of the folks involved in this program is working as a volunteer. They're donating their time and effort. And like I said, we we push the folks really hard. We're good at that. We're good at pushing them really hard. Mm-hmm. And we're not quite as great at telling them thank you for the work that they've done and we're certainly not as good as we should be on that. But each week at the beginning of the show I give you guys an opportunity uh, to to work on that uh, yourselves. I give you the chance to call in if you to tell your local crews thank you. Uh Thanks for the job that they're doing. Uh, let them know that you have noticed what they're doing and that you appreciate it. Most of them, are, most of them already know, but you know what? It never hurts. I've never seen anybody be hurt by a complimentary pat on the back. You know, I mean, it just uh, it just doesn't hurt the folks. Uh, I'm going to thank uh, two folks. 
in the local crew here. One is uh, Kirk Wheeler Spitzigler. And uh, just because he's worked so hard over uh, over the last few years on making sure that the the graphics get done, that the uh, Facebook pages get set up, that the newsletter is written, uh, just about anything that having to do with graphics or photographs or video. Kirk is really, really good at, and, uh, and he's done a great job over the, uh, the the last few years where that he's been working. He works with the Dallas crew here in Texas, but a lot of the stuff that we've uh, that we've been trying to do and that we've gotten done uh, were helped in some way or, or done completely by Kirk as far as the graphics and newsletters and stuff like that go. And I've told him thanks a million times, but like I said, it never hurts. Uh, nobody's ever going to yell at you for giving them a million and one thanks, right? And then the other person I'd like to thank is a new IT uh, here in Texas named Bullet. Bullet is uh I'm not gonna see her whole name because I don't know how excited she'd get about me saying it. But her name is Rachel and she's a an instructor with the Texas crew and uh she's just really done a fantastic job. She's totally dedicated to the program. She's very enthusiastic, she's very professional, she always knows uh uh, all of her skills and uh, and tasks, uh, she's always well prepared. And on top of that, I've never seen her come to an event without dragging somebody along. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that she's probably experiencing now the same thing that that I experienced uh, pretty early on, and that is when my friends would see me coming. They would start shaking their head and saying, "Oh no, not not apple seed again, please! You're killing us." I said, "I got them all to come." Well, she's doing the same thing, and uh, she's bringing a great crew of folks with her. So, those are the two folks that I'd like to thank this week because both of those, both of these folks have done a great job, and I'm I'm, I'm sure. That each of you guys out there, everybody listening, I'm sure has at least five or six of the same type of folks that they would like to call in and thank on the air. And that's if that's what you want to do, then we'd, we'd love to have you do it. The phone lines are open. It's 347-308-8790. And if you don't want to, uh, if you don't want to get on the air, just either put it in the chat or... Uh, or tell the call screener, tell Sam who you want to say thanks to, and uh, he'll either come online and say thanks to them for you, or he'll tell me and I'll say it, all right? So there's no danger involved, and yet there's a great deal of benefit uh, that folks can receive out of this. Like I said, everybody, I've never heard of anybody who didn't like to hear somebody say, hey, uh, hey Sam, thanks. Hey Rachel, thanks. 
Hey, Kirk, thanks. Uh, it, it just doesn't happen, right? All right, so we'll keep the lines open for that. And uh, I want to tell, uh, I want to say, remind folks that the music that you hear at the beginning of the show, that is from the band Poker Face. Uh, it's called Control, K-O-N-T-R-O-L. And uh, we appreciate them giving us, uh, letting us use the music for our intro music. I'm going to talk to them again about maybe uh, maybe there's some way I can get them to do a custom song for the show. I don't know. They're they're great patriots. If you'd like some more, uh, if you'd like to listen to some more of their music, you can go to uh, PokerFace.com. PokerFace.com, and uh, you can listen to a lot of the music they have there. It's a great revolution rock band, and they do a lot of stuff. Uh, around the nation. They're always playing at Knob Creek and stuff like that. <clears throat> and they're great guys. All right. All they're all uh they're none of them are pigeonhole pigeonholeable uh by any party, but I would say they're more uh, libertarian minded uh you know folks. Uh I want to remind folks that uh uh Blue Feather and Tyler Scott are still cranking out handmade soap. Uh and they're still on a Doing a fantastic job of it. I keep waiting. I keep I keep uh, uh, singing their praise on the radio, and I keep thinking any day now I'm going to get a bar of soap in the mail, and it just hasn't happened yet. But if you want to get a bar of soap in the mail, you can go to Blue Feather uh, Soaps. Google it on uh, on your computer. Google Blue Feather Soaps. And you can take a look at their handmade soaps and grab you a bar of this handmade soap. It's getting to be cold weather now. I'm sure most of you guys are experiencing cold weather. The soap that they make has a great deal of uh, natural oils in it. So you wash your hands with that soap when you come in, and it's not going to rip every bit of moisture out of your skin and have your hands crack open. You're going to get a a nice uh, uh, healing a uh, bit of oils that are going to be actually infused into your hands. They make great shaving soap for your face. If you want to shave your face with some soap, they've got it. I always use uh, whatever I have. I use whatever soap I have. That's what I shave with is soap. And uh, I believe they're making some other stuff now. Let's see. Sam is putting this in in here. It is medicated. Medicated stuff. Medicated soap. Okay, that's for, uh, like you get a brass burn or something like that. Then uh, then you can grab some of the uh, the soap there, or I guess it's uh, some type of a uh, uh, ointment or something. Anyway, you'll be doing yourself a favor by getting the soap, and you'll be doing Tom's Glock and Blue Feather a... Uh, uh, and A2 by uh, making sure they have gas money to get to their next Appleseed event, all right? Uh, in addition, we have uh, Jimmy from Desert Eagle Farms. You guys know Jimmy. He's been uh, with the Appleseed Project for quite a while now, and uh, he is selling. He's a distributor for uh, long-term storable food, and you can Google Jimmy at Desert Eagle Farms, and you'll get him. He also has... Uh, uh, he's also a distributor now for the Mildot Master. And that's a little uh, sliding rule uh, type card that will allow you to uh, uh, estimate range and 
and be able to uh, uh, get the data for uphill and downhill shooting, stuff like that. It's very inexpensive. And uh, he said he gives you guys, the Appleseed guys, free shipping on it. Uh, so you can Google Mill Dot Master and uh, Jimmy at Desert Eagle Farms, and uh, he can put you in touch with that. Uh, we've also got uh, Battle Road USA, and that is uh, that is the company that myself and uh, Alonso One uh, are partners in. And uh, we have most of our events for this season just about done. Alonso One is no, uh, he's not happy about uh, cold, wet weather. Uh, and yet, we have an event coming up in February on the 23rd, which is the end of the world as we know it, Zombie Destruction Run. All right? Uh, I'll give you guys a, a link to go to this next week, uh, sometime after Tuesday when we're going to release it. We'll give you guys a link so you can go to the, uh, the uh, Zombie Destruction Run page. And the link for signing up and stuff like that. We'll also need, uh, I told you, we're going to need a handful of you guys to help us uh, uh, as range officers for the event. You'll get to run the event free. Uh, free t-shirt, free meal. And uh, and that is February the 23rd. All right? Now, I want to also remind you guys that uh, Jimmy uh, from Desert Eagle Farms out over in New Mexico, Jimmy also uh, is one of the, uh, the guys who is uh, running the Christmas for our troops operation. And uh, that is where they they put together a bunch of different sponsors who will send them uh, loads and loads of goodies that they can put together in a package and send directly to an individual soldier. They're not just throwing stuff in boxes and slinging it out there. It's going to individual soldiers. Now, that means that you can also send them in the name. If you've got uh, uh, a buddy who's serving overseas, Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, or, or any of the, I believe we're currently serving in uh, in combat or semi-combat operations in about uh, 40 different uh, locations now, you can send him the name of the service member, and he'll put that on a list so that they can get a really nice bag. And... Uh, the ChristmasForOurTroops.com group, uh, they posted plenty of letters of, from folks who received them, and the guys are just, uh, they were just raving about how happy they were to receive something like this. And I told you last year and the year before when we talked about this that <clears throat> I don't care what it is, even if it's just a bag that had just a little tiny bag of pokey bait in it, it wouldn't matter. Because what does matter is that whenever the uh, the guy from headquarters swings by and dumps out the bag and uh, then the company clerk or whoever grabs it and says mail call, I'm telling you right then and there that there is nothing else that's uh, so important in the world Mm -hmm. uh, other than if if somebody yells incoming or something like that. There's nothing else more important in the world right then than for them to get something in the mail. All right, so make sure that you get your list uh, to him, and he will make sure that uh, 
that uh, some of the troops somewhere get uh, get a package for Christmas. All right. Uh, we've got uh, okay. Jimmy is here. He wants to plug the Christmas for the troops. I'm going to give him uh, give him a chance real quickly to uh, plug that in. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Hey, boss. How are you doing tonight? Good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, don't want to throw water on the fire tonight on everybody's expectations, but we need some serious prayers right now. Uh, my friend Scott, who is the, the the Christmas for our troops, is his dream child. Uh-huh. Uh, another thing that they do is uh, Wounded Warriors uh, Heroes Hunt. And uh, they had all the wounded warriors in at Midland, and they had the parade today. And I just got an email from him that during the parade, uh, and I haven't got the details of how or what or anything else, but the uh, parade trailer was hit by a train. And uh, this is in Midland, Texas. And with there the, are four with the on it? Yes. Oh, you got to yes. be kidding me. Oh, my no, God. No, it's on Fox News Dallas. Um, and uh, Scott emailed me that they need the prayers. Currently, it's uh, four casualties and 16 in the hospital. So I got that just as we were getting ready to go on the air. And you were getting ready to go on the air and then just uh, forwarded it right out to everybody. So they've got a, uh, any of the listeners that are in the Midland, Odessa area, they've got a blood drive going. Um, there for uh, they need O and uh, let's see what else is it A A negative and O negative blood Uh, United Blood Services uh, 4706 North Midkiff uh, in Midland and um, all right well guys listen that's uh, this isn't like like a, a, a yearly blood drive or anything like that it's not a uh, it, it's not a, a luxury thing. This is something the guys need right now, right this minute. And and you going down and giving some blood might be the difference between them making it and and not. So please, please consider going and giving blood. If you're in that area, dash over there and and spill out some of that uh, some of that precious uh, life saving blood for these guys. I, it's, I'm just. Uh, I'm just dumbfounded. These guys this, this, this made, shock- it, made it through, not in not in whole, but they made it back here alive. They're giving, they're on a ride to, to help uh, to help further the cause, and they get hit by a train. I'm just. Uh, I, well, I don't know. I just, I've got to get the details. I know we'll get them. And uh, right. the moment we got it, Teresa and I went to our knees and. Uh, you know we're we're sending up smoke signals, so just asking Father to to be with the family and be with those that are injured and the families of those that are injured and and don't know what the news is. We'll find out, I'm sure. But uh, on the lighter side, yes, we are in the middle of our Christmas for our troops, and uh, folks can go to ChristmasForOurTroops.org. They can put uh, name and APO in there. And uh, or they can just email me at uh, Jimmy at HDC. It's Jimmy J I M I. Same thing on the uh, forum is uh, is Jimmy J I M I. And uh, uh, 
It's uh, J-I-M-I at hdc-nm.com. And we'll get those names and APOs in there, and they'll get a box. Uh, just just reading some of the letters. I got one the other day. If you don't mind, I'll give you a little highlight off of it real quick. Oh, no, no, no. Please go ahead. I was telling it's, folks they can, uh, go to your, they can go to the site, and you've got the letters from a lot of the veterans for the last couple of years that uh, have received packages. No. And it was and and you guys do a great job. I mean, it's a great package that they send out. But but even if it wasn't, even if it was just a little bag of, of candy or something, it still has a lot of meaning to the guys who are lined up there for mail call. Go ahead and get read us uh, the letter, Jimmy. Okay. Well, we've got we've got uh, Remington back on on board again this year. We're getting a, a pallet of rim oil and boar snakes and stuff like that to send to the guys. But the letter, uh, one of the guys here that works for Yates Petroleum, his uh, nephew is over there. And it starts off, Uncle Bart, here are all the guys, and he lists everybody in his unit. Drivers, gunners, and all the way to the boss. Uh, Thank you so much for thinking of us. Sorry it took me a while to get the whole list. Mail is non-existent here, and I am not sure how the guys would react to receiving something like the boxes. You talk about this... uh, you talk about from this vet you talk about doing this seems the vets and the families are the only ones who understand and care about how much a piece of mail means to us a lot of the guys took to subscribing to catalog requests just so they could get something to think folks back home would call it junk mail they uh they guys relish it just to say they got something to kill time and feel needed wanted so far from home and, uh, you know, you've been there and I've been there. There's many times when mail call comes and your hands are empty and these kids will suck it up. And they're, they're you know, tough maintenance officer. They're, you know, ground pounder. They're a grunt. They suck it up. You know, I don't need no mail. And we both know that they're lying. So, yeah, what um, well, I tell you, it's, it's, it's hard. If you're... If you're sitting out on a fire base and you've been out there for 16 days, 90 days, and you're you're... You're feeling, uh, you're feeling rough. You had friends that you've lost or that are hurt, and and you're just uh, you, you just feel like you're like at your wit's end. And uh, the mail call comes, and even I'm telling you, even if it was just uh, <laughs> like you said, even if it was just uh, some kind of a junk mail, but especially if it was a like a letter from my mother. Or you know, from uh, I don't know. I think I was still. I was. I don't think I had a girlfriend. I was still too much of a goober to ever have a girlfriend until I was in my twenties. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I did have some girls that knew me and were kind enough to send letters every now and then. And and even they even sent letters with perfume on them, which is just. Uh, I'm telling you, that's it's that's like getting like drinking a case of whiskey all at once. You know, if you get a letter with some perfume. <laughs> well, we and, uh, we had. Uh, Three years ago, I tell this, uh, you know, most every time we're on the air together. Um, about three years ago, we had a young man that had gotten a box the year before. They were at a uh, FOB. Uh, actually, they were on patrol from an FOB in the mountains of Afghanistan, not far from the Pakistan border. And uh, one of the Humvees come in on resupply, and they had mail, and he got one of these Christmas for our troops boxes, and Boy, everybody, he said everybody in the unit, you know, I think there's like 16 guys in this patrol. They saw a box and it was like, you know, 
honey, you know, attracting flies. <laughs> yeah. And uh, everybody's there, and of course he shared, as as the guy we know we do. And uh, yeah, well, you, you can't not share. You know? No, no, they just you can't you want, not share. But you can't not and, share because you know what's going to happen if you don't share. That's that's called blanket Somebody else party gets a box on. in. That's right. Somebody else and, gets a box in. You don't get a piece. So. But uh, he he said that in the bottom of the box, you know, of course, is the the first thing that goes into the box on the bottom is the cards and letters, and then everything else gets piled in on top of that. And uh, Scott sat there and finally convinced him to get up on stage and tell everybody what what they were doing and how important it was. And he was talking about the box and sharing and and how everybody was excited and. He said he pointed to the very first station down there, and he hollered out, "You guys, you guys, don't forget anything!" And he was hollering at the people that put the cards and letters in. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out this uh, legal-sized piece of paper and unfolded it. And it was a letter from a little girl, and uh, or I should say, a girl. We don't know how old she was, but she told all about her puppy and her house and what her family did and everything and her grandpa was in World War Two and uh the bottom part of the letter she said there and she says the the only thing I really want to say is come home. Please just just come home safe. And he carried that letter with him and he said that whenever the guys would start feeling down or anything, he'd pull that out of his pocket and say, Here, read this and then he'd point his finger at him and say, I want it back. So it, it's important. We've we've gotten folks uh, this year. We've got uh, a teacher in uh, Illinois. I think it's Waukegan, Illinois, is what I heard. But they uh, she's got her class writing letters and making cards and everything, and they're shipping them down to Midland to the to the warehouse. And another, uh, I think she's a Sunday school teacher or a teacher. Uh, at uh, out in Virginia, that's doing the same thing. So I mean, it's you know as well as I do. When it comes to our troops, you know, Christmas for our troops was born in West Texas, and and someone asked one time, you know, well, what's the boundaries of West Texas? And I was on the radio with him, and I says, well, I says right now we figure it runs just about from Maine to Hawaii, and Alaska <laughs> to Key West. There you go. And, and it, well, it is Jimmy, because all these kids are ours. I really appreciate uh, what you're doing, and like I said, I know all the the soldiers do too. Who are receiving these boxes? It means a great deal to them. I want to remind everybody to uh, to if you if you are a faith based person, if you pray, uh, then I would. I would certainly like for you to pray for for the folks involved in the the accident. Pray for all uh, of uh, our veterans uh, across across the world. Pray for the folks involved in this accident. Pray for Sam, your uh, for your family. Sam just sent your... me a link on that. Did uh, he send it to you as well? Uh, this is off of uh, Fox News uh, Dallas. Uh, he is such such an asset to you. He's right on top of everything. I bet if somebody wanted a recipe for uh, armadillo pie, he'd probably have it up on the on the deal there before anybody could finish the story. Uh, train train yeah, kills veterans on in the, Texas uh, parade. 
and uh, uh, my Fox News, uh, DallasFortWorth.com staff email. Dozens of wounded warriors are involved in a horrible accident Thursday afternoon in West Texas. Uh, accident happened at about 5 p.m. in Midland during the Hunt for Heroes parade. A uh, big rig that was carrying the veterans on a flatbed trailer was hit by a train. There are conflicting reports about the crossing arms. Some witnesses said the arms were not coming down and the truck approached the crossing. Police confirmed at least four people were killed, 16 others taken to hospital in Midland and nearby Odessa, 10 in critical condition. So uh, it says, following the parade, the veterans were scheduled to leave for a deer hunting trip while their families and wives were treated. I know, man. I know. Yeah, that's one thing to, it's just, uh, it's just rough. All right. So uh, please, everyone, uh, the folks that are, uh, that are close, that are local to that, please uh, consider, uh, Calling the hospital and see if you can go down and donate some blood uh, that can help these guys. Because uh, anytime that you have any severe injuries, your your body's pumping it out. You're losing a lot of blood, and they've got to have it replaced in order for you to to make it through. And uh, and I'm sure that they probably need some special some of these special uh, types of blood. And you may have that. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to cost you anything to go down and uh, and do your part. For these folks, all right, Jimmy. Thank you very I'll much. I'll just leave that with you, and, and if folks want to get in touch with me and uh, on the Christmas for our troops, they can. It's uh, Jimmy J I M I on the forums or just the email. All right. All thank right. You, thank you, Sam. will post that. Up. Thank you, Jimmy. God bless you. God bless our our troops. All right. All right. Thanks. Talk to you later, boss. All right. All right. Uh, and put that in the chat for the uh, the news link to it. If not, you can Google it. And, uh, and then once again, listen. If you guys are close by, see if you can't uh, if you can't dash over and maybe uh, donate some blood for these folks. Uh, and then uh, I'd certainly try to remember them, their families, and their prayers. All right, I've uh, I've got Jim Heath and Kim Heath. I've had them both uh, holding for a total of 32 minutes now. Jim and Kim from Colorado uh, are going to be running an event this coming weekend, and I'm going to let them tell you about it. Jim, Kim, welcome to the show. Hi, Scott. Well, thank you. Uh, I uh, I started talking to Michael Bain, I guess about six years ago, and uh, and I was doing some interviews and stuff on his show, on his radio show back then, and uh and he and I have talked uh, uh, quite a bit uh, on the phone, and and uh, he's a great guy. Uh, Michael Bain runs uh, Downrange TV, and uh, he does a lot of the television shows, including uh, uh, Best Defense and uh, all the other different shows that they that they run on the outdoor channel there for Downrange TV. And uh, we talked about this several years ago about doing. Uh, a, a program uh, devoted to apple seed, and, uh, and and we both thought it was a great idea, but it was just when to do it because uh, uh, God bless Michael, he's he's stays busy, and he's been <clears throat> running at full speed for 
the last few years and uh, finally carved out a niche uh, of time to do it. And uh, this weekend in Colorado, uh, Michael is going to be working with uh, Jim and Kim Heath and the rest of the Appleseed crew, and you guys are going to uh, to put on a an Appleseed there, and it's going to end up as an episode of Downrange TV. So uh, tell us uh, tell us what you guys have planned so far for the uh, for the upcoming Appleseed. Well, what I have planned is to run an Appleseed. Uh, we're just going to do a do our normal shoot that we would for any group, and uh, they I assume they will will film that, and I'm hoping that's what they look for because that's what we're going to do. Yeah, well, I talked to, when when Michael and I talked about this. That's one of the things that I told him. I said, look, we really can't we really can't do anything. Uh, I mean, if you want to if you wanted us to put on a special one, we could do that, and then we could kind of do it however you wanted. But as far as if it's if you want to come and film an actual event, then we have to be true to the attendees, to the paying guests. We have to give them what they paid for, which is an apple seed. And he said he was good to go with that. So he's going to be uh, filming that. But he said he'd also be running uh, probably two other crews that would be doing like some interviews and then doing some other stuff uh, uh, behind the scenes filming and stuff like that. And uh, where are you guys holding the event? We're going to be at the Colorado Rifle Club. It's east of Denver, about, oh, maybe 45 miles. And beautiful range. They're nice enough to let us have several shoots. I don't know what we have, four or five or six shoots a year there. Uh, they have a, the range that we will be on. They have a number of different uh, ranges on the property. The one we'll be on is their Silhouette uh, range, and it has berms, um, that are set up for silhouette roughly every 100 yards out to about 500 yards or actually in meters, so it's 550 meters. And so the beginning of the, the shoot, we'll be shooting at 25 meters, and then uh, depending on, on when we uh, want to do known distance, we can shoot at any distance out to 550 yards. And so uh, it's, a, it's a very nice range, very, uh, and they're, they're very good to us out there. So it'll be great to... To shoot there. It's also one of the few we never use it, but they have one of the few thousand yard um, range with pits and and firing lines at uh, roughly every hundred yards on that one too. So uh, they're well, very good. Nice facility. setup. They treat us. That's yeah, really nice. It's very nice. I mean, I, I, I've run into three or four of those ranges over the last few years, but uh, but I don't think who knows how many ranges I've been to now. Thirty or forty different ranges that uh, there are very few. They're very few and far between, so it's really nice to have something like that set up where you can, where you have one location where that you can shoot through the whole apple seed at. And I have to go anywhere else. You don't have to walk backwards or forwards. Now there was a couple of them that I had to walk, walk all the way down to the, you know, 500 yards down to shoot against the berm, uh, and then mm-hmm. back up from there. But, uh, but that sounds like a really, uh, a really great location. And now I know that uh, yeah, on this on this one we said, uh, at 25 meters we are they have a, a raised platform that's about 10 feet it's a berm uh, with shooting benches and and shooting positions for the 25 meters we drop maybe uh, 25 feet forward of that to get down so we're shooting into the berms instead of into the ground and then right. when we do the uh, the known distance. 
then we take that really long walk of about 25 feet and move our mats and keep shooting. So it's actually a very nice range for us. Works real well. Well, that'll be really nice. Now, I know that uh, Jim already told me that uh, he's making sure that uh, that uh, he has a fresh haircut and shave and that uh, Kim has already been to the hairstylist and uh, made sure that she has a new do for the show. Yeah, you guys are going to be famous. You're going to get your, your more than 15 minutes. You're going to get uh, – I can't remember if he told me he was going to split this into two hours or one. I know it's going to be a, a minimum. It's going to be one hour for Downrange TV. But uh, it may be two, depending on on how he ends up deciding to put it together. You know, once he gets all the the video that he wants and takes a look at it and stuff. So you guys are gonna get four mm-hmm. times the uh, the allocated fifteen minutes of fame. Uh, wow! And uh, I know Jim also told me he was gonna make he was gonna perfectly inspect all of the people, all the instructors, all the attendees and stuff. They're gonna have like a, a regular inspection with the hands out, you know, checking for. Uh, Dirty yeah. fingernails and uh, brushed teeth, and, well, and make sure everybody was dressed nice and everything like that. Uh, we'll at least put apple seed shirts on them. <laughs> but, you know, that might be a good idea. Give the folks uh, their apple seed uh, t-shirts right at the beginning and let them wear that. Uh, yep. But uh, but Jim and Kim both they they run a very sharp crew up in Colorado. Colorado has some really good folks. Uh, in the state right there, as do all of the athlete states. I'm not I'm not dogging anybody else, but I, I just happen to know some of the Colorado folks, and uh, and you guys run a nice tight ship up there, and the range is actually a really nice range, uh, and it's uh, it looks very nice and clean, and uh, I know that Michael had told me he'd helped with uh, he'd helped with arranging some of the stuff for the range for them to get targets and stuff a while back, and. Uh, and he's a member there, uh, and I know you guys are too, right? Uh, uh, Actually, we're I not. I know that I'm a member mm-hmm. at uh, a lot of different clubs that I'll never, I probably won't ever go back to again. But usually, if I'm somewhere at a range, I'll go ahead and join up uh, when I'm there. <laughs> yeah, Tim and I are not we're... members of this range, but uh, we've got what four or five instructors who are members there. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that'll be good. And uh, and let's see. There was something else I wanted to make sure that uh, that I'd gotten a scoop on you from. Was the event in uh, North Carolina? Was that the last Self Reliance gig you guys did? No, the last one we did was in Mesa, Arizona. Ari- Arizona. Okay, that's what I thought. How did the Arizona show go? It went pretty well. Um, we had some of the, a couple of the, a few of the Arizona crew come out and help, and it was slower than the Self Reliance Expo wanted. Um, I would guess they had about four thousand people through, and they said there were a lot of people looking, but not many buying. But you know, we talked to all of them anyway, and right. stayed fairly fairly busy. Well, it's kind of a new and they had, thing. They had nice registrations at their next shoot. They had quite a few people there, so. Yeah, and that's good. And that's good. I, I think that everywhere so far that you guys have been, that uh, you've boosted uh, the numbers at the shoots, and that that is good. I imagine it's going to take a little while for some of this to catch on because it's a uh, it's a brand new thing. I mean, prepping has gone mainstream, but it's still kind of a brand new thing. People, a lot of people don't realize that these events are out there. 
they don't they don't realize uh, what they can the benefits they can receive from attending one of these events, and it's a brand new thing. So uh, I imagine it's going to be a little while uh, before they before they are really running at the speed I guess that uh, that the guys would like them to, and I certainly hope that that they make that gap. You know the gap that always comes whenever you start a business or something like that. You've got the gap between when you start the business and when it starts making money, you know. And uh, and there's a lot of fatalities in between those two points. And I hope this isn't going to be one of them because these guys do a great job. And it's certainly a great way for both the people who are uh, who are trying to become self-reliant and are looking for ways to do so, and the people that are providing the services for them, a great way for them to come together. And certainly, this has been a blessing for Appleseed, for the for them to to sign on and give Appleseed the uh, you know the ticket that they've given you guys uh, in order to bring the message to the self reliance folks at these events. I think it's just great. They've been very yeah, they- very generous. Well, I hope that it. I, I'm hoping we, that it works out. Now, are you not, uh, Jim? You're not like selling any, uh, like any uh, artificial heart uh, self-reliance kits or anything like that, are you? No, not yet. I'm I'm trying to come up with something that uh, like that that will sell, but I haven't come up with anything yet. So. <laughs> but thanks I for know. asking. <laughs> but I I know that uh, the, with the, being the entrepreneur you are. I know that there's something that's going to come out right around the right down the road. It's going to be something because you mix together your uh, your kind of like a medical biological uh, field of expertise there and the self reliance thing. I'm sure you're going to be turning out some uh, some home leg replacement kits or something, you know, that uh, that folks can get. Well, do you guys have anything else you want to put out? Uh, information about the upcoming shoot? Let's give them the the location and the time and any number of how many any any uh, any data on how many folks uh, are coming to the event yet? Because it'd be nice if it was at capacity. Yeah, um, I think we have about 35 people coming. Um, Eventbrite advertises 30 positions, but we can spread out a little bit. So um, the weather's going to be fairly okay, um, going from the low 30s to the mid 50s. So I don't think weather will keep anyone away. So we're looking oh, at about that's pretty great. people. So that's, that's pretty much capacity for that range, right? We could probably squeeze 40 in. Okay. Well, Eventbrite listed as 30 positions. Okay. Well, I hope everything goes well for you guys. Uh, and I will tell you good luck because there is some luck involved in it, uh, but I know that the majority of that is taken care of by your good skill. But uh, there's always the element of uh, luck and the unknown, such as weather and stuff like that. Because I know Michael told me that uh, well, the temperature and stuff wasn't a factor. However, if you got uh, precipitation, then because of the you know the costliness of the uh, of the gear, they would have to suspend it. So um, I don't want that to happen. I want it to get done and and, and get out on the air because it's going to be a great uh, opportunity for folks to to hear about the Appleseed Project because the uh, the Downrange TV show is going out to a lot of folks. A lot of people are watching the Outdoor Channel, 
and a lot of people are going to see uh, this show. They're going to see you all smiling faces, and I'm sure that you guys will have uh, <clears throat> will probably have some uh, uh, opportunities, or you'll have some requests uh, for other uh, uh, comedy or drama based uh, shows that y'all are going to be doing next. Uh, <laughs> something, uh, and uh, I'm sure hoping. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, my uh, my best wishes are there with you. I was supposed to come, but there's just there's no way that I'm going to be able to do it. I'm I'm bogged down here in 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 my stuff, my regular chores. Plus, I'm trying to get ready for the the event that we're having in February, along with the rest of the apple seed stuff that we're doing. And there's just no way I can break loose uh, to get up there. Which I, I didn't need to, because you guys are perfectly capable of of uh, doing a super job yourself. But I just thought it'd be a great chance for me to see Michael, and uh, and just in to see you guys again. And uh, and I'm certainly hoping that everything goes well. Do you have a good rifle shoot and a good film shoot? And uh, and this this goes a long way to helping to fill the lines in Colorado and across the uh, United States. Well, Scott, well, we hope also, to make you thank proud. You. Thanks for uh, sending this opportunity our way and, and trusting us to do it in your absence. Uh, appreciate that, and and we'll. I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll like what we do. <laughs> no, I already like I already like what you guys do. So there's no problem there. You guys are are absolutely super instructors, and you're just you're just dang fine people to boot. And uh, oh, I have no reservations whatsoever about seeing you guys doing this. So I'm very happy the opportunity came. To a place like uh, Colorado, and, and was actually put in front of uh, of such capable and professional uh, instructors as you and Kim. So I think that's going to be that's going to be a fine, work out just fine. Uh, the only question I guess I have is if there's going to be any opportunity to see uh, uh, Kim uh, dressed up in her uh, in her period clothing. You know, Scott, I knew you were going to ask that, so I made sure everything was up to snuff on my outfit today and nothing needed to be cleaned. <laughs> and I will somehow manage to get them on over my normal range clothes because it's going to be cold and I won't really have a place to change, but I will I will make an appearance in it <laughs> for That'll at least a while. That'll be perfect. That'll be perfect. <laughs> oh, man. Well, like I said, I, I really hate that I'm going to miss being able to see you guys, so uh, – and I guess it will probably end up being almost a full year before you guys rotate back to uh, DFW, right? Do they have? Do you have the next year's events scheduled out yet? We don't have. We a don't schedule know the date yet. We don't know the date, but they do want to come back to Texas. Um, also, Colorado, um, Washington, and Pennsylvania. I think are the four areas they're looking at for next year for the Self Reliance Expo. We have no dates. All right. Well, I'll. Uh, I'll try and get in touch with them too, and let them know that I'll be more than happy to uh, to help with putting out uh, the word on that when they come back to Texas, because because I think it is very important. Well, do you guys have anything else that you'd like to get out? Anything no. else that uh, that you guys want to mention on the air? Any? What about uh, your local crew? I know you guys have some sharp folks here in Colorado. A couple of names you want to mention before you go? So let's see. Yeah, we've got a uh, – we have two shoots this weekend, actually. And the sh- we have a shoot down in Pueblo, which is south of 
uh, Denver by 100 miles or more. And fellow Papa Smith, who is a uh, active military, he's getting out on medical in the next uh, hopefully couple of weeks, and he's going to be the shoot boss for that. A fellow named uh, Colorado Pete, who's a high power shooter. Let me put a plug in here, by the way. Um, Colorado Pete has just published a book on shooting. He was a high power shooter and found out about apple seeds, oh, three, maybe four years ago. And he had written a book on, on high power shooting. And once he found out about Appleseed, he stopped writing that book and rewrote the entire thing. And now that is uh, published. It's available on Amazon. I don't remember the name of it. His name is Peter Lesler. Yes, Peter, yeah, Lesler. Peter Lesler. Peter Lesler, and that will be out in March. Go ahead. Yes, um, it's L-E-S-S-L-E-R. He wrote the Gun Digest Shooter's Guide to Rifle Marksmanship. And you can pre-order it at this time on Amazon. Yep, and in the by the end of oh mid next year he will also have a uh, book in the similar series the same series on pistol shooting. He's also a very good pistol shooter, and so those guys are going to be doing um, a shoot down in Pueblo, and then this shoot that we're doing in Byers. What do we have? Four brand new IITs who've never worked a shoot before. If I counted right, <laughs> we've got a. Uh, some red hats and, and threes and twos, but uh, there's uh, some who have, uh, this will be their first shoot, and they're, we're glad to have them. So they will get their orange hats on national TV, and we That's also right. have one inst- one instructor who will earn her red hat this weekend. That's perfect. That's perfect. You know, make sure you make it a nice, uh, you know, a nice, uh, uh, you know, Nice uh, professional happy ceremony because I know you guys always do. Oh, I, I just I, whatever I just, we're we're just gonna throw them into the work and, and make them make them do work hard. So. Yeah, yeah. Just throw the hat to them and say, "Let's go, let's get moving, you slugs. Get over there and sign up for some events." Because that's how that's, that's right. how normally that uh, they they get treated at Appleseed. But yeah. I always like to yeah. make sure that that the folks who come to an event that they see. Uh, that that people just like themselves that that's how they started out. They came to an event, and this is how they ended up. They ended up deciding to become an instructor, and this is what we're doing for them. We're giving them a you know a very serious uh, thank you and a very serious uh, congratulations and a ceremony for it. So I just like to make sure that the folks see that, and that the instructors they they get to have their uh, their commitment and and their donation of time, energy and everything, they get to have they get to have it taken seriously. So uh, I'm sorry, Kim, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, um, you know, Jim kids around a lot, but when he hands people their hats and their patches, he comes really close to crying. So will that work? Yep, that's absolutely perfect. And it's hard not to <laughs> because see what I can do. How can you not? I mean it's it's a <laughs> it's a very, very serious thing because I I compare it close to it. Now it's certainly not marriage. But it's real close to that, you know, because you're you're asking somebody to give a commitment to to become a partner and trying to make sure that our nation continues as a as a sovereign nation and that we continue to have the the rights, the freedoms, the liberties that that folks died for by the thousands two hundred and thirty six seven years ago. 
that we should have them in perpetuity and and it's a very very serious thing and I, and I, I've got to tell you I'll do the same thing when I'm handing the folks a hat I'm shaking their hand and I'm telling them thank you I know it means a lot to them and I uh, dang sure know it means a lot to me any every person I can get to accept the hat and accept the commitment and the responsibility to do this it makes my life easier and uh, it's very very serious thing to me if it was just a shooting club or a social group that'd be different you know I just I would I just toss them that and here you go all right start chewing the fat but it's not you know it, it's it's a very serious thing we have a very serious mission and and I think that a lot of, a lot of times a lot of folks forget that or they don't understand that and it's important to make sure that they do when somebody when somebody signs up when they raise their hand when they when they take the the hat uh, it's got to be serious you got to it's you you have to be real in your in your uh appreciation of them and yeah they have to know that that you're real and you're sincere so so I think that's very important And thank you guys for I would agree for making it so. Yep. All right. Well, anything else you guys got? I think that's Well, I am at a loss for anything. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I well, want to I want to say I just want to say to Jimmy, thanks for what he's doing. And that's really really tragic news that he delivered. That's hard to take. It but really is. And I want to thank I Jimmy know. for his effort. Right. Yeah, I, I appreciate Jimmy what he does, and I appreciate. Uh, I'm just trying to uh, I try not to think on it too much because if I do, I'm gonna I'm gonna get burned up too. But I'm just, uh, you know, we 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 have folks all the time that uh, that come to events here, and uh, and uh, you know, I'll get guys that call me and say, "Look, I'd like to come." I think I got one that I just talked to uh, day before yesterday. I'd like to come, but I don't know if I can if I can do all of the things that you require because you know, it might turn out that they've been that they got shot to rag dolls and uh and they don't work so good anymore. And I always make sure they understand that it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you can do or can't do, that I I'll do whatever it takes to get you on the line. And and being a veteran and serving, uh it sometimes just makes me furious that that people don't know, or they maybe they don't care in some cases. I don't know, and I hate to think that they don't know, or they they don't think about what a good many of our veterans are going through. Yeah, there's the the number of killed is not a uh, is not a Vietnam or World War Two size figure, but the number of wounded is a huge figure. It's tremendously huge. And and we've got tens of thousands of young men and women uh, that, that, are, that are getting uh, horribly wounded, horribly disfigured, and they're coming back and they've got to figure out uh, how to live their lives now. 
And for them to for them to be at an event that was trying to to try and thank them and appreciate them and have them have them killed here at right, right on the you know the main street of USA. It's just a a very sad event, you know. But I've I've seen that over and over. I've seen folks and and friends who came home and uh, and managed to managed to make it out of this this violent country alive, and then wouldn't be home more than uh, a month or a year, and were killed here in just some some trivial fashion, and. Uh, this is very heartbreaking. And once again, let me ask you guys: if, if you're anywhere near there, try and figure out if you're if you're close enough, try and get over there and give some blood. And uh, if you're not, then uh, do whatever is right in your mind to try and, uh, and to try and help the situation out. Okay, I want to thank you guys, uh, Jam and Kim. I want to wish you the best in this. I'm going to wish for good weather and. Uh, for a nice, safe shoot and lots of close-up facials for you guys. And, uh, <laughs> well, and thank you. Uh, be I'm looking forward to that too. <laughs> uh, and uh, be sure and uh, uh, tell uh, Michael that I said hey, and uh, I'm going to call him again tomorrow. And I think he sent uh, he sent uh, an email out to you and I uh, sometime at yeah. some point today. I didn't answer him back yet, but. Uh, because it was addressed yeah, to you. We haven't either, but we will. Take care of it. All right. Well, uh, he's, he's he's good to go with what's going on, so you can just touch base with him. I'll call him tomorrow. Tell him I said hey. And you guys, take care of yourselves. Have a great shoot, and uh, I will talk to you next Thursday so you can let me know uh, the uh, that's, that's what happened. Yeah. Um, is, it, is it Thanksgiving? It is, isn't it? It's Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's, that's uh, Thursday, the Thanksgiving. All right, well, I'll have to figure out what to do about that. Uh, because I don't know, uh, I imagine I'll go ahead and have the show, but uh, if you don't call in next Thursday, then uh, call in the next time we're on, and we'll get you guys on the air so you can talk about how the uh, how the filming went. Okay. Okay. All I'll right. Do that. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thank, Thank you. you, Scott. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Right, bye. All right, they're going to uh, have the shoot filmed uh, for Downrange TV, you guys. Uh, and I'm sure that it's not going to be a you know anything happening in the next few weeks. You know, I'm sure they're going to film it and it'll go back to their shop and they'll do the editing and everything and then get it on the schedule. <clears throat> and then uh, I'm sure it'll be uh, several months probably before it before it comes on the air. But once it's once it does. We sure make sure everybody uh, that everybody's told when it's going to be, so that everybody we can all get together and watch it and stuff, and and see how it goes. So this is going to be, uh, I think this is going to be like one of the best uh, media things that we've done so far. We've had uh, little short pieces and radio shows and New York Times and stuff like that, and I've done uh, uh, five and ten minute pieces for uh, state and national news. But this is going to be uh, the first uh, really long, uh, really long media thing. Now, of course, we've got the movie uh, "Behold the Pale Horse" that the Apple Feed is in, and 
and that movie's doing really well. And there, there's another two sections of it uh, due to come out, and we'll have uh, uh, we'll have the director uh, on the show again as soon as the second uh, installment of it is due to come out. We'll have him on the show again to talk about it because I told him as soon as he's got it ready, we'll bring him on the show, and uh, once that uh, that episode is ready, and if he has it uh, uh, set up for sale on Amazon and everything, that we'll we'll bring him back on so that uh, we can talk to you about what the the second installment of the Hold the Pill Horse holds, and then you guys can go and uh, purchase a copy of it too. But this is going to be a great chance for uh, for a lot of folks to to be exposed to the Alpha Project, and in a really good way. I mean, uh, this is going to be one of the uh, one of the the best pro uh, apple seed things that we're going to have going. So it's going to be a full hour of of uh, of a television show that's dedicated to uh, to telling folks about things in the shooting world and in a favorable light. I'm going to be uh, some ten minute diatribe by uh, NBC or CBS. That uh, telling folks that uh, I'm some kind of crazy guy that wants to put a gun in the hand of every man, woman, and child in America. I, you know, it's close to that, but I don't want everyone, I guess, to have a, <laughs> a gun, but maybe close to that. Okay, I'll give them that. All right. Uh, the title of the show tonight is uh, Here There Be Monsters. Here there be monsters. And I just came across this uh, last week when I was looking at a map, at an old map from the 1500s uh, of the known world at the time. And, uh, you know, of course, they, they some of the areas that they knew stuff about was in, was in fairly detailed, uh, fairly de- detailed drawn out, and then... And then, as it progressed away from the home country of the uh, of the person who had drawn the map, and as it started getting away from from their knowledge of the known world, then things started getting shaky. They started getting uh, you know loose and wild. And then, after you got out to a certain distance, a lot of times there would be a picture of some kind of a of a sea serpent. Or something like that, and uh, and then that would be followed by uh, the words of uh, here there be monsters, and uh, the reason that that was written like that is because they didn't know what was out there. They didn't know what uh, what was beyond their uh, the, the known world. They didn't know what things were awaited for them, uh, you know, out past the edges of the map. And it was a very fearful thing. And that has always been a fearful thing for human beings. And that is the unknown. The unknown is, uh, is certainly cause for for anxiety and concern in a lot of cases. 
And the same thing could be said for a lot of Americans today. That's the fear of the unknown and, and the idea that right around the corner there could be monsters uh, and that the monsters are lurking in the unknown. And I think one of the best ways that you can dispel some of this fear is to make sure that you are preparing yourselves for for the unknown, all right? And you can make the unknown known, at least to a good degree. You can shine a light on it with a high-powered flashlight and see that, uh, that there are a lot of things that could fall into the unknown factor, unknown range, that that you can indeed get prepared with. And I'm, I'm discussing this. I'm bringing this topic back up because, because I want to make sure that you guys are understanding that it is your duty, as part of your duty as, as an American, as a human being, to make sure that you are that you're living a lifestyle or that you're prepared to confront the unknown without falling apart. At Appleseed, we try to make, we've tried to develop a program where we teach our instructors to become leaders. And and the natural carry-on follow-through of that is for them to become leaders, not just at Appleseed, not just on the line at Appleseed event, but for them to become leaders in their personal lives, for them to develop those traits and to prepare themselves to be able to provide leadership in situations where it's required. Now, if 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 you go to uh, if you go to a fire in the city and there's a building on fire and there's a bunch of uh, firemen and police in there. Okay, that doesn't need leadership. All right, they're already they're already there. They're already taking care of it. But if uh, if a tornado comes through your town and it uh, and it knocks down a bunch of trees and buildings and everything else, and and it segments the community into small blocks that are relying on themselves, then yeah, that needs that needs leadership. And and we need you. I need you. You need you. To be prepared to the extent that you can confront those types of things and, and not crumble and not fall apart uh, and not end up on top of your house with a sign around your neck saying, save me. We're supposed to be a nation of folks that make things happen. And somehow we've gotten away from that. We've gotten away from being a nation of individuals ready to make things happen to a nation of of a collective we need you to take care of us nation and and I'm telling you that is a most certainly a horrible recipe for disaster so here there be monsters and Lord knows there are and they're right around the corner what they are I don't know and you don't know, or else they wouldn't be monsters. You could put a name to it. It's Hurricane XYZ, or Tornado such and such, or it is Earthquake XYZ, or it's, or heaven forbid, it's Comet, uh, you know, ABC. Whatever it is, 
if you knew what it was, and you could put a name to it, and it wouldn't be a monster. It would be disasters, you know, so-and-so. Well, we don't know. So right now, it's a monster. It's a monster hiding around the corner in the dark closet. And you better be ready for it. For the very least, for your family. You better, you better start today figuring out a way that you can be ready. And I told you guys before, it's not, this isn't uh this isn't something that you have to, to try and swallow all at once, all right? Uh, you don't have to try and uh, and, and and have uh, five years' worth of food and uh, 100 rifles and 25,000 rounds of ammunition tonight, okay? The first thing you do is you just, uh, you just take a few seconds, take a deep breath, you let it out. You say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be ready to, uh, to take care of myself for, uh, for today. All right, I'm going to take care of myself for today, one day. All right, I'm good to go on that one day. And then once you've done that, then, uh, then move to two days. And once you've got two days, move to three days. Once you've got uh, your self taken care of, for uh, three days or four days, say, well, what do I do if uh, if my neighbor Fred, uh, well, if your if your neighbor needs some help, what do I do about that? How can I help him? And of course, the best way is going to be to make sure that he is helping himself, right? So try and get uh, the people you know. Try and get them on board. Don't. Make a mad dash over to their house tonight with uh, with your two roll of tinfoil uh, hats on. Just ask them. Ask them during the day at work. Say, listen, I was thinking about this last night. Say something were to happen, something like uh, you know, like the tornado that just went through the northeast. I mean, the uh, hurricane. Say something like that were to happen here locally to us. And I was trying to think of. What would I do in a situation like that? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how you would uh, how you would work through something like that and uh, and start the discussion with them that way? Because you never know. Maybe they're maybe they're ahead of you. Maybe they know some stuff that you need to know, and they're willing to tell you. Almost every uh, prepper, almost every person involved in self-reliance and stuff that I know has always been willing to share information. Now, they may not share uh, bacon, beans, bullets, band-aids, or anything else, but almost every one of them I've ever known has always been willing to share information uh, where they found something or uh, uh, or things that you need to think about when you're getting ready to uh, prepare. Almost, almost every one I've ever met has always been ready to do that. They need a little help you, all right? And even if they're not, it's a good chance for you to make sure that they start getting prepared. Because, listen, if you got a block with ten people on it and you're the only one that's, being, that's prepared, then guess what? You're going to be inundated with folks. And this isn't just strangers. These are folks that you know. And these are, these are people that you should be helping. All right. I'm not telling you you got to you got to give away your food to them if it's going to cause you to die. 
I'm just saying that there's going to be some hard decisions if it's something like that. Wouldn't it be better if nine of the ten people were doing the same thing and that way you only had one goober that you had to uh, hope on a hand? Wouldn't that be a lot better? Well, maybe they just need a little a little push, you know, a little uh, uh, a little suggestion that they do something, a little advice on it. <clears throat> because that's another thing that I've that uh, I've recently seen, and that is that uh, almost every person I've talked to about this, about uh, becoming more prepared uh, in their life. Almost every person I've talked to has agreed with me and said, you know what, I, you're, I think you're right. I've thought about this a lot recently, and I think that you're right. I think it's time to do something. And and out of these conversations has grown uh, a good many things, a good many projects uh, so far in my life. And And I encourage you to do the same thing, all right? Because some of this is just gonna it's gonna naturally be apple seed related, all right? Uh, almost every person uh who needs who is desiring to become self reliant, one of the things they're gonna need is uh firearm skills. They're gonna need some rifle marksmanship skills. And guess what? That's right up uh, Apple Seeds Alley. And most of the folks that you talk to, when you approach it in that fashion, maybe if you've talked to them on the street or if you talk to them in the living room and say, Hey, why don't you come to a, uh, a rifle marksmanship class that we're going? They're going, oh, I don't know. I don't really have time for that, or, or I don't, uh, you know, I'm not really into that, uh, blah, blah, blah. But if it comes from a different angle, if it comes from a more circuitous route, and and you begin by discussion of, you know, of, uh, becoming more self-reliant, and eventually the conversation works over to what are your what are your skills with a rifle? And they go, oh, man, you know, I'm not much, not very good. Uh, and then you say, do you, want, you know what, that's one of the areas that we can help you out, and really uh, inexpensively, too. Uh, I can sit down right now, and I can direct you how to get to an apple seed event. And they'll say, oh, really? Man, this is probably something I really need to do. Because now it's not a frivolous thing which they may think it is in the beginning. It's not a frivolous thing of, of going out on the weekend and drinking beer and shooting uh, tin cans with your buddies. Because a lot of people think that's what that we do, uh, something like that, something. Now it is the idea of providing them with a skill set that could save their life uh, and the life of their loved ones, right? And it's probably going to be one of the least expensive things on their to-do list. So it's a great uh, great way to uh, to to introduce folks to the idea of uh, of establishing or uh, or honing their current rifle marksmanship skills I want to I would sure like to hear uh, and we'll do another show on this uh, pretty soon. And we're also going to have uh, uh, the, this coming season. Uh, we'll have several guests that uh, will be dedicated to this idea because I, I think it's really serious. I think it's really important. 
And no, I don't. I'm not telling you that I think anything is going on because of the elections or anything else. I do know that uh, that if you need uh, ammunition and you haven't already got it, you're sure going to be in trouble when you try and go get it next week. All right. Uh, most of the shells I've seen have been stripped of ammunition. Uh, <laughs> all of the Walmart shelves, all the Academy shelves, everything. I don't know what. Uh, uh, I think that's uh, another, just another facet of the here there be monsters idea. You know, the people, people not knowing what uh, what monsters are lurking around the corner, and they're thinking they should make sure that they have plenty of ammunition. Listen, I'm all for it. I am all for it. Uh, Number one, I truly believe in the theory of capitalism. I think that uh, that they should be buying, uh, they should be buying as much as their wallets allow them in order to make sure that the uh, gun companies, ammunition companies, and stuff uh, stay in business. Two, I think it's a great uh, idea for folks who have firearms to have ammunition. Uh, I don't think it's great uh, when I try and go and buy training ammunition, and there's none there. I think we had to settle for uh, 6,000 rounds of uh, uh, Russian steel case 9mm because everything else was either too expensive or gone. Uh, So uh, I don't like that. But I also know that uh, unless the monster appears, then uh, prices will go back, uh, you know, to... Uh, probably to a reasonable uh, a reasonable level and that uh, hopefully this has stimulated uh, a bunch of companies to produce even more and so maybe there'll be a uh, you know a surplus in uh, in a year or so and you can capitalize on that right and uh, and uh, and having uh, hundreds of millions of rounds out in the general public is always a great idea because uh uh, that uh, if something were to happen tomorrow, that uh, cut it off, and you'd certainly be able to get some somewhere. You know, somebody would would have some uh, or something. And uh, I'll tell you guys that are looking at investing. Uh, I wouldn't go and buy ammunition now, but for the last uh, what is it? Last seven years, that uh, ammunition has. Uh, has outpaced by a far stretch, has outpaced uh, gold and silver as far as its value. And uh, and it's done a tremendous, uh, tremendously uh, good job if you were investing. I can only imagine if, uh, if I would have bought, uh, you know, 100,000 rounds of uh, uh, South African uh, or, uh, or any of the, uh, or the, I wish I could go back to uh, a few years ago and reorder my uh, grand ammunition and buy an, I'd buy uh, I'd buy 10,000 rounds of uh, Lake City ammunition from uh, CMT for 199 for a thousand and twenty dollars shipping and uh, and certainly be nice to have that now, right? Anyway. <clears throat> I don't know of anything that's around the corner, but neither do you. 
So the best idea is to make sure that uh, you've thought about all the different things that can happen. And you don't think about it from the top down. You don't think about things happening. Uh, you don't start out with alien invasion or a uh, 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 and uh, what do they call the NELA, the uh, extinction level event uh, comets or anything like that. You don't think about it like that. You think about it in the way I said at the beginning. You think about it with just, uh, can I take care of myself if there's a black ice storm? If there's a two-day black ice storm. And uh, I don't want to risk my life to go out on the highway to get a loaf of bread or to get uh, a bottle of aspirin. Do I have the basic things that I need for this? Do I have uh, some batteries? Or do I have uh, some of the uh, hand-cranked radio and the hand-cranked uh, little flashlights? Do I have some of those? But if not, maybe now is the time to get it. You don't buy this. Like I said, you don't buy it all in one $10,000 chunk. You go out uh, this next week and you just take two things. You go, I'm going to get a, uh, get one of those uh, Coleman hand crank lights. They're about, uh, I think about seven or eight bucks. And I've had one for about four years now, five years. It goes in all of my bags, and uh, and it's not the brightest light in the world. But I'm telling you, I never have to worry if there's batteries in it. I just whip it out, I spin the crank handle for a little while, and, and it will serve me perfectly well to find anything I need in a house or in a car or to guide myself along a trail, any of that. I can do it with that. I just pick that up. That's one week thing. The next week you get something else. And uh, and you constantly are asking yourself, uh, what can I do if, it, if some sort of situation like this came along? And it didn't just, uh, I'm not just talking about uh, knives and bullets and flashlights and stuff like that. And you're you're also looking at, do I have enough money put away that if I lost my job that I could survive for uh, the 60 to 90 to 180 days it would take me to get another one? Do I have money put away for that? Uh, do I have do I have some food that I can eat during that time? Because the long-term storable food, the rice and beans and everything else that you're putting away for the uh, disasters, losing your job it qualifies as, as a disaster. If you're a person with a family, and and you know that uh, you may lose your you may lose a job, and you may have to uh, you may have to go easy on a lot of things, but you know that if the if worst comes to worst, you you've got six months of food or a year of food for your family, right? Uh, it may not be the the best the highest quality food in the world as far as uh, palatable or uh, or anything like that. But uh, I don't know about you, but as a as a man with a family, one of my worst fears is not being able to feed my family. <clears throat> Having food put away so that I could do that in a in an emergency, uh, which could be me losing my job. Maybe that's an emergency. Or I break my leg. I don't lose my job, but I can't work. These are the things that you should be thinking about, and. And figuring out ways to get around them, all right? A lot of people don't like to think about it because if they think about it, then it's very doom and gloom, and they're very worried, and it's and it's and it produces a sense of hopelessness in a lot of folks. But it doesn't have to, all right? You don't, like I said, don't start out with an extinction level event and try and figure out how you're going to get around that, all right? Number one, there's no getting around it. Number two, that's the least likely thing to happen. The most likely thing to happen is 
is you lose your job or you you get snowed in for a few days or you get black ice on the highways or a hurricane comes and there's flooding. Those are the most likely things to happen. So that's where you start out with getting prepared for that. And once you've got that conquered, then you can move on up the ladder. Don't start with the biggest thing and, and then get in your mind that since I cannot prevent an extinction-level event comet, then I'm just not going to prepare for anything because there's no use. Well, let me tell you, there's there's about a thousand things that you're going to experience before you experience the extinction-level event that you do have some control over and you can fix, all right? So make sure you're taking a look at those, all right? And like I said, we're going to have a... Uh, we're going to have guests on uh, in the next uh, in the coming season that uh, we're going to talk to you about that about that specific thing. We got uh, Jack Spirko with uh, the Survival Podcast. We've got uh, our own Aaron Frankel uh, from uh, In the Rabbit Hole. We're going to get them to come on again because they uh, they run a a company that uh, specializes in urban survival. And that's where 50% of Americans live, and they live uh, in or around cities. And uh, they specialize in gear and uh, and speaking about uh, what to do if you're in an urban situation and you have to uh, figure out what to do. So we got a lot of folks like that coming on. Uh, I'm going to try and get uh, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy to come on and talk to you about uh, uh, survival medicine and things you should be thinking about and working on that. And uh, like I said, we've got a, a good list of folks that are coming on. <clears throat> but in the meantime, I want you to be doing the research yourself and be figuring it out yourself. Be figuring out uh, ways for you to survive one day and then two and then three and just keep walking yourself up the ladder, all right? I'd sure like to hear about some guys uh, over the next uh, couple of months calling in and talking about what they've been doing. You don't have to tell us your location or where you've got the extra rounds buried or anything like that. Just tell us about uh, the things that you've been doing uh, in order to uh, in order to to meet situations like that uh, head on. All right, now we're going to jump to the next part of the the evening tonight. I'm going to try and uh, rush this in in the the next 20 minutes, and that's I want to go over a real quick uh, list of the uh, the battles of November. And this is uh, the Novembers all throughout the American Revolutionary War. Uh, and we'll start off with uh, we'll start off with the with 1775. Now we, in 1774 we had the powder alarms but that was in September. All right. Uh, in 1775, we had the Battle of Kemp's Landing, and uh, that was on November 14th, 1775. And this was uh, the Battle of Kemp's Landing. This was also known as the Skirmish of Kempsville. And it was a skirmish uh, that occurred on November 15th, 1775. And this uh, involved the militia companies from Princess Anne County, and uh, uh, which was in the province of Virginia at the time. These folks had gotten together at Kemp's Landing to they were going to try and counter uh, 
the British troops were under the command of Virginia's, the last colonial governor of Virginia, which was uh, John Murray. Uh, Lord Dunmore had landed his troops nearby at a great bridge in the province of Virginia, and he was trying to investigate rumors that uh, that patriots uh, from North Carolina had arrived there. Now, this turned out to be false, but but he didn't mind. Instead, he just went in uh, and started moving against the Princess Anne militia. And uh, they had tried to ambush him, but the, the ambush failed. He ended up rounding them and ended up uh, uh, chasing them throughout the country. He, At that point, he had freed uh, all of the slaves belonging to uh, the folks in that area if they joined the, the British militia. And uh, the, the there was supposed to be an ambush uh, run by Hutchings militia, the Prince Anne militia. But as Dunmore's folks were coming along, the militia members fired too soon. And when they did, I mean, they were just common occurrence in ambushes when they did, it allowed it allowed the uh, the regulars who were more controlled to return fire in uh, a more disciplined way, and they ended up chasing the militia out through the woods, and uh, uh, they ended up uh, capturing about eighteen of the patriots, and I think they killed about uh, a half dozen or more of them. And now, once they had secured the town. Uh, Tunmore raised the British flag over the town and uh, and read out the text of his proclamation, which at the time that was a proclamation that was pretty much forcing folks to come in and swear an oath to the king, and uh, and they did it. The next day, more than a hundred of the militiamen who had gathered, they had uh, they came rushing in. And swore an oath of loyalty to the crown. They claimed that they had been forced into arms by the patriots. And uh, that was pretty much the end, at the time, of the the militia movement there uh, in in the North Carolina area. Now, we'll hear more about Lord Dunmore a little bit later on because, uh, because they end up getting their, their return uh, a few years later. <clears throat> All right. Uh, that was the only battle that occurred in 1775. Now, in 1776, we had the battles of Fort Cumberland, the Battle of Fort Washington, the ambush of Jury, and the battle... Uh, no, wait, that's... Uh, that actually is not within that. But let's talk about the Battle of uh, Fort Cumberland and uh, the Battle of Fort Washington. <clears throat> Uh, the Battle of Fort Company, uh, Cumberland, which is also known as the Abbey Rebellion, uh, this was this was an attempt by actually a small number of militia, were commanded by Jonathan Eddy, to bring the American Revolutionary War to Nova Scotia. This was happening in late 1776, and uh, with very little actual support from Massachusetts, they had uh, four or five hundred volunteer militia, and they did have some natives. They they tried to storm Fort Cumberland in central 
Nova Scotia. And uh, the Force Defenders, who were the uh, the Royal the Royal American Regiment, uh, who was a veteran of the French and Indian War, they successfully repelled several attempts by Eddie's militia to storm the fort, and the siege was ultimately relieved uh, when the Royal Marine reinforcements drove off the besiegers, all right? Uh, now, in retaliation for the folks, the local force, who supported the siege, numerous homes and farms were destroyed, burnt to the ground. The Patriot sympathizers were driven out of the area, and... Uh, the the successful defense of Fort Cumberland preserved the territorial integrity of the British maritime possessions, and Nova Scotia remained, remained loyal throughout the war. So, so this was early on in the war, and of course it was unsuccessful. Now, the Battle of Fort Washington. Now, this was a uh, this was a much more serious event. In, uh, in the American Revolutionary War timeline. The uh, Battle of Fort Washington was fought in New York on November 16, 1776. And uh, this was a decisive British victory that uh, caused the surrender of the entire garrison of Fort Washington. Uh, after the Continental Army, uh, under General George Washington had been defeated at the Battle of White Plains and the army had been routed. The British Army forces were under command at that time of Lieutenant General William Howe. They had planned to capture Fort Washington, which was the last American stronghold that was on Manhattan. Now, Washington had already spoken with Green about, about Fort Washington and the general consensus at the time of most folks was First of all, New York was not a defendable uh, position. Whoever commands the sea commands New York. You know, the whole, all of New York was was surrounded by navigable waters, and the British controlled the sea. That means they could put troops ashore anywhere they wanted uh, for New York. So, so the whole idea of defending New York was never a good one. All right. So they had the last outpost, which was Fort Washington, uh, and Washington asked Green, he left it up to him, he said, you, you do what you think best, if it's best to hold the fort or to, or to relinquish the fort and, and, let the, uh, uh, and move the defenders on. <clears throat> the smartest thing would have been to go ahead and then, just, just leave the fort, because he had already proved that the fort itself, which was situated uh, uh, on the Harlem River, uh, the fort was not, it was not able to stop the British ships from, from navigating the river. They, were, they weren't able to do it. They'd already, it. It had already been proven by some of Howe's ships making the run back and forth beneath the fort, and they could do it without any real damage. So there was no real reason to keep the fort, but General uh, Washington left up to Green. Green, I'm sure... It doesn't say why exactly he thought it was best to hold it. He just thought it could be done. And I'm sure on some level he probably figured that he hated to surrender the fort that was Washington's namesake. 
And so we held it until it was too late. So the uh, Pal put troops ashore, and they were able to uh, scale the heights and come upon the, the, the fort from three sides. And uh, while there was some stiff resistance at first to the Hessians' attack, because they, the German troops, German mercenaries, were used in one prong of the attack, eventually it was overwhelmed. The, all the defenders had to move back into the fort where there was no water, where no shelter. Uh, they had, uh, I think, 3,000 uh, uh, troops who were forced into the fort with, with nothing. They had no food, no water, nothing. What were they going to do? And they had a large army facing them. They had no real chance of being relieved by uh, American forces. And with the fort surrounded by land and sea, uh, Colonel McGaw, who was in charge of the fort, chose to surrender. Now, 59 Americans were killed during the attack on the fort, but 2,837 uh, were captured, along with all of their arms, all of the ammunition, all of the cannons of the fort, all of the gunpowder, all of these shots, uh, all of the things it takes to take care of 3,000 men was captured. And at the beginning, uh, this was this was a severe blow uh, to the Patriots. Like I said, they'd just been forced out of New York, and for them to lose uh, this many people all at once was, was a horrible, especially for no good reason. They could have... Uh, they could have uh, surrendered the fort uh, a lot sooner. Uh, all right. In uh, 1777, we have the Battle of Gloucester, uh, which was on November 25th. And uh, this was a skirmish fought on November 25th, 1777. This was during the Philadelphia campaign. And it was the actual the first battlefield command uh, that the Marquis de Lafayette had. Remember, Lafayette was a the very very young man who uh, who Washington. He was a uh, a French uh, uh, officer that uh, came to America and and served under Washington and and of course Washington had a place in his heart for him. He ended up uh, making uh, Lafayette, uh, a commander of part of the uh, uh, part of the campaign, and it was like I said, it was the first battlefield command that Lafayette had had. Uh, Lafayette during the battle, Lafayette led uh, about 350 men toward the British position. Now he, he had carefully scattered the camp several times. Uh, he led his men in a surprise attack. On the forward picket of the Jaegers, that's the the riflemen of the the mercenaries, the German mercenaries. The 400 men, uh, the 400 uh, German mercenaries, the Hessians, were caught completely unprepared, and they began a, a very disorganized fighting a retreat uh, toward the main British camp with Lafayette and his 350 men in hard pursuit. Now, as soon as Cornwallis saw this, he sent uh, uh, several units of grenadiers to provide covering fire 
for the the German the Germans that were retreating, and uh, kind of fought to a standstill until Lafayette eventually withdrew under cover of darkness and returned back to Green. Now this was uh, this skirmish was pretty much of uh, a success. Uh, Lafayette suffered only one kill, five wounded. Against the 60 casualties they had inflicted on the British side, and uh, word of how Lafayette conducted himself during this was actually instrumental in in Congress, prompted by Washington, awarding a uh, a field commission to Lafayette as a major general in the Continental Army, and I believe uh, Lafayette was still only in his 20s at the time. So he was certainly the, the youngest general uh, on the American side. Okay, take us to uh, 1778. In 1778, we had uh, uh, two battles. We have got on October 24th to November 14th. This was a period that uh, that saw Carlton's raid happening. And then we had the Cherry Valley Massacre on the 11th. Uh, Carlton's raid was uh, a raid, of course, if that's why it's called that. It was led by uh, Major Carlton. And uh, this happened in the province uh, of Quebec, and it was it was directed at targets in upstate New York and the Vermont Republic. And <clears throat> during this time, uh, the... The uh, I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, well, you guys have already heard me talk about this before. This was part of the three prong attack that uh, that was led against uh, New York from the north and was designed to cut uh, New York off from the rest of the colonies. And uh, and this was after the attacks by uh, 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 I don't know why I can't think of the name all of a sudden uh, by uh, uh, anyway all right uh, the raid was for was uh, lasted two weeks. And uh, and mainly was centered uh, around the central and southern part of Lake Champlain, and it was conducted by British uh, ships of war, uh, including HMS Carleton and HMS Maria, uh, both of which had fought at the Battle of Alcor Island in 1776, and uh, they were supported by uh, several gunboats and a lot of bateaux, which are the like barges that. Uh, Cannon and riflemen set up on. Uh, anyway, they uh, they raided all along the northern New York and uh, and Vermont area. And this lasted uh, for two over I think right about two weeks. And uh, Carlton reported that his raid had destroyed enough supplies for twelve thousand men for a four month campaign, which is a good amount of gear, and that's stuff that he destroyed. 
uh, and he included a list destroying a sawmill, a gristmill, 47 houses, 48 barns, 28 stacks of wheat, 75 stacks of hay, uh, 80 head of cattle, captured 39 prisoners, uh, and uh, in addition to quite a few killed by his men and by the Indians that were fighting with him. Uh, then we have the Cherry Valley Massacre, which was an attack by the British and Iroquois forces uh, on the fort and on the village. The fort was in the village of Cherry Valley. And this is in eastern New York on November 11th. Uh, it's been described as one of the most horrific frontier massacres during of the war. This was a mixed force of loyalists, which were uh, American colonists loyal to the crown, uh, British soldier, and then also Seneca and Mohawks. Uh, they attacked into Cherry Valley, and the folks in the valley who, despite being warned that this was a possible, that this was possibly coming, despite this, they were still, they still hadn't done anything to prepare. Obviously, they were not uh, in the prepping mode. And during the raid, uh, the especially the, the natives, especially the Senecas, really uh, took a great deal of pleasure in targeting the non-combatants. And uh, and they, they killed well over 30 individuals in uh, Cherry Valley who were not who, who were not combatants. They were women, children, stuff like that. <clears throat> and uh, the uh, the the like I said, the, the raid was a it was one of the uh, one of the horrible parts of the American Revolutionary War. All of the all of the brother fighting brother uh, events in the war were were very very terrible, and uh, and were certainly much more personalized. Uh, that brings us to 1779, and I'm going to pick this back up uh, next Thursday. And we'll finish up with the the uh, the Battles of November next Thursday. All right. Until then, I want to tell uh, all of you guys listening that uh, we really appreciate guys uh, tuning in and uh, and being part uh, being part of the show. I want to appreciate you guys for. Uh, for downloading over well over a quarter of a million uh, downloads of the show. And uh, we will see you this coming Thursday, 7 p.m. Central, and we'll finish up with uh, the Battles in November. And I believe we'll also have uh, Sheriff Richard Mack, if he's if he's indeed able to be, then he should be able on this, uh, this next Thursday. All right. Thank you all. God bless you. Please uh, remember to do what you can, either prayer or donating blood, whatever you can, for the for the veterans who are wounded in uh, in the Midland area, and uh, and God bless them and keep them close to Him, and uh, we will see you guys. The rest of you guys, we'll see uh, next Thursday. 7 p.m. Central. I want to thank again everybody that uh, listened, all the folks that called in. I want to thank Sam for being here every time I am. And, uh, yeah.
on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty.